Welcome to the Pac-Man Podcast. Here you will find Dr. Cindy Elliser and Kat McKeever, researchers at Pacific Mammal Research, talking all about marine mammals. We will have a variety of ways to share information with you through discussing research articles and news stories, interviews with other researchers, and more. Join us to learn more about marine mammals and have some fun. Welcome to the Pac-Man Podcast. I'm Cindy. And I'm Kat. And this week, so we're going to do something a little different. Normally we'd be doing a a journal review and uh, we were, Kat and I were talking about, uh, you know, which one we were going to read uh, this week. And a lot of times we, one comes into our email and we're like, oh, that's the one we're going to do. We didn't have one of those. And then um, we were like, well, you know what, we should, we should talk about uh, Tokate or Lolita, uh, the orca that is in the Miami Aquarium, because it is very timely uh, because of um, the announcement from the Miami Seaquarium, where she has lived mm-hmm. for over 50 years. Um, if for those of you who don't know the backstory, uh, this is a Southern resident killer whale. Uh, she's from Elpod. Her suspected mother is Ocean Sun, which is an awesome name, <laughs> I have to say. Um, and, uh, she was taken and let me have the date, right. Let me pull it up on August 8th of 1970 from, uh, the captures in Penn Cove here in the Salish Sea and moved to the, the Miami Seaquarium, uh, where she, like, like I said, she's lived for the last 50 years. So there's been, uh, there's for decades, there's been people fighting for her release from the Miami Seaquarium and, um, to bring her back to her home waters. Uh, and there's a lot of debate around captivity in general, especially for orcas. Um, and so there's been this long, you know, living in this area around here that we do, we, we, we've heard this for the last, um, you know, for many years about there's the struggles to try to get her released. Uh, and so the announcement and the reason why we're going to talk about this today is that the Miami Seaquarium has entered a, uh, or it's just, no, it, well, is it, is it still the Miami Seaquarium? Because the Dolphin Company bought it. So now I don't know if it has a- I name good question um i think so yeah i think so i think it's still that but it's bought but it got bought by a new company and that's kind of why and we'll talk about that i'm sure uh why yeah changed hands yeah um and so they are willing they are actually uh going into a binding agreement with i think it's the friends of alita um because that's her other name they changed her name when she went there um tokate is the uh, uh indigenous people's uh, name for her and the name that most people use around here and Lolita is the name that was she was named when she went down there um so that they um they went into a binding agreement with them saying they will send her back to the waters out here so it's a really big deal <laughs> like I said decades of people fighting for her um and we what the what we want to do in the podcast today is not necessarily give an answer as to what is right or wrong, or uh, because we don't know really the answer of what is right for this animal. But we wanted to highlight is what we need to look at to really make the best decision that we can. So there are many people who are excited for her return and want her to be in their in her home waters. There are others who say that that's not maybe the best decision for her and or the other whales um, that leaving her in captivity, maybe in a better situation than she's at would be good. But um, there's a lot that goes into what is what this decision should be. And uh, we want to discuss and just bring to light all the things that we should be thinking about and not necessarily giving a, a final answer of what, what should happen, but just to have that discussion and let other people understand and know what we should be thinking about. Yeah. Yep. So, so um, she has been in captivity for over 50 years. So I think 52-ish, 52-53. So she is 56, 57, depending on what day she was born. I mean, we don't know. And she probably doesn't know either because they don't <laughs> keep track of days, <laughs> at least as far as we know. <laughs> um, but... <sighs> This is a complicated question and very heated, right? People are very passionate on on either side. And mm-hmm. 
think the key thing to remember is that everybody wants the same thing. They want the best thing for Toki, right? That's her, her nickname. Um, but what, what that is, is difficult to determine for various different reasons. Yeah. So, um, one thing we should start off with, um, is just talking about, uh, again, and we're going to have to talk about captivity and that's, that's a whole nother <laughs> can of worms of what whole another kettle of fish right exactly i like to get that too kettle of fish kind of worms kettle of fish for us here in the in the sea um but and we're not gonna we're not gonna really touch on that as at least in the general term um of whether that's right or wrong or whatever and and generally you know orcas probably aren't the aren't the best animals for captivity because they are so large and they are highly social and intelligent and can travel 100 miles a day um, and to live in a smaller tank is, is very restrictive. Um, so in, in, in that regards, you know, certain animals are better uh, adept to uh, captivity than others, but not really saying that this is right or wrong, but for this animal, um, what is best for her now, right? So this is mm -hmm. the question. There are a lot of things that we need to talk about and discuss, including, which I think people don't tend to talk about, is the psychological impacts of things that have, of what, what's happened to her and what her life is now, the biology of it, of if she could carry diseases or they, you know, she'll get diseases here. Um, you know, what's the driver behind what's going on is the best interest for her, or is this the best interest for how we feel about what's happened to her? Right. Right. And I think that's, that's the part that I was talking about this with a volunteer in the field today, actually, where that, like that's the part that is tricky with all of this is how much is us projecting our desires for her versus what is actually the best for the animal at this time. And I think with all of this, it's, I mean, ultimately we don't know because we right. can't ask her directly. Exactly. Um, so that, you know, just bear that in mind as we're going through all of this, like this is all you know, unfortunately has to be supposition on our part as the humans, because right. we can't, can't actually ask her what she would prefer to do. <laughs> um, so it's having to make those educated guesses, you know? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that's the, the thing. And, and we all bring biases, right. To anything that we do, mm -hmm. we have our own experiences and thoughts on different things in life. And so you, you will have, you know, a, a lot of people who are on the board of keeping her in captivity are those that are, have been in that realm, right? And the ones that want her more in the wild are ones that do wild research or, or just the public, or, you know, there's, we all have different reasons for the, why we feel a certain way. And a lot of times those are, we, we have good reasons, right? And I think there are good reasons on both sides of this, of releasing her and not releasing mm -hmm. her. There's, there's good evidence that supports the, the ideas of, of those two opposing forces. Um, and so what it is, again, is filtering down what is the, the pros and cons, the best choice for the, for this animal. So um, let's start with the biology of it, because I think that's one mm -hmm. where people can like grasp uh, a bit easier than yeah. others. Um, so the first thing is her health. So she has not been in good health. Um, only recently has she started to get better. They've, they've had, um, and to their credit, the dolphin company who has bought this aquarium has done a lot more for her in the last year or two, however long they've owned her in the, and the, the, um, the aquarium than the previous owners have, right? So that's why we're mm -hmm. where we're at, right? She is getting better care. They have, first of all, retired her. So she was no longer doing shows. So she at least got to just- Yeah, which is huge. Yeah, exactly. Um, and- uh, so they have done that and they're, and they're, they are, put, they're footing the bill right now. Like they're, we're going to talk about money here and it's, and it's not to degrade the animal or, or who she is as a, as a individual. Um, but it is part of the equation, right? The money, where the money is coming from and what it's doing affects what's happening here. So mm -hmm. for better, or for worse, they're not making money off of her anymore, which as a, as a corporation company, that's what they're there to do, right? They, they may also love the animals and take good care of them, but at the end, there is money to be made. 
And so they are, you know, keeping her in a tank where they could be using it for uh, other shows or other animals or whatever. And they are keeping her, but retired. Um, so that, I mean, that is to their credit, right? They are technically losing money uh, on her, but doing it because that's the best decision uh, for her at that time. Right. So I like yeah. to keep, you know, keep those things in perspective. It's not all, it, it's not all good or bad. You know, there's, there's mixtures. Mm -hmm. So, well, um, unfortunately that is a huge part of it when we have to talk about like realistic solutions as well. And I think, like you said, that's, that's part that people gloss over. can sometimes lose sight of when there's a, when there's a lot of emotion involved is that there, mm -hmm. there does have to be some sort of structure to all of this. Right. And we'll get into that too. Like, well, okay, so let's release her, but that's a, there's a lot of money that goes into, into that process, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, mm -hmm. But they, so they, they they retired her, they're, you know, they're losing money uh, in that regard and they're putting money into her care. They're, they've given her, you know, lots of different vets and out, they let outside people come in, which is a huge thing because the previous owners would not let that happen. So um, mm -hmm. getting her the best care possible. So she has improved quite a bit. Uh, and so that's great. And, and a lot of the vets are saying that she is healthy enough to move. But she is a 56, 57-year-old whale that is older, right? She's, um, they can live up to 100, but you know most of them don't in general, just right. like people. Uh, so um it's it is she, will she survive the trip is the question mm -hmm. um and and you're gonna have both sides some will say yes and some will say no you know it just depends and um it it's un, it's unknown and if she's in better health you know so it comes down to the risk factor of is it worth the risk right is it worth the risk of her dying to do this thing um, or is it better that she lives in captivity, right? That's the question. Um, so there's that part of it and her health. So say everybody thinks her health is fine. It's good enough for transport. Um, and remember, transport means likely um, going on a plane, like a plane, or at least at the very least a truck, uh, out of water suspended for a long period of time to get to wherever we need to go. Like Florida's way literally on the catty corner part of the country from here. <laughs> she's going to be released. Right. I moved there from, from Florida. Like you can't go farther across the country unless you went to the keys. <laughs> yep. It's yeah. It's not a short distance. No. And even if she gets, even if it's going to a midway point, like going to say a sea world in Texas or California, then stop there. And then you go to the next one. It's a lot of, it's a lot of, of movement. So it's not an easy trip. Uh, and then there's the, the cost of cost of that trip as well. Uh, and then, you know, how does that, what do you do? Do you just take her straight and put her in the waters? Do you move her to a, a, another tank and, you know, another uh, aquarium and then go to the next day? Um, I mean, for my, my horse who was 29 at the time when we moved from Florida, we did that. We, we went to Texas where my friend had a farm and he stayed there for a month and then did the next leg. Cause it was, you know, he, it was hard, hard on the old man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> go. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. so those are things we have to think about. So, um, so there's that there's the, the, the physical trauma of the trip. And remember these are our large whales, right? If they beach or out of water, like they're, eventually their organs will, will crush themselves. It's why also why horses can't lay down for very long. Um, so they, mm. they can't be out of that suspension for a long period of time without suffering damage um, and drying out from not having water. That's why you have to keep them wet the whole time and everything. So um, there's that. So there's that part, but then there's the disease question. And it goes both ways. This one I think is really interesting too. Like this is, this is a really really pertinent one especially with other um like fish pens and things like that recently in the news as well and the risk of disease from captive animals to wild animals mm -hmm. um yeah very interesting and so that's the thing i think everybody the first thing people think about is goes oh what could she pick up like she might get a disease and then die anyway because she's she has no immune system for this area <laughs> but i think the more important question of what you just brought up is the 
southern residents are endangered. There are very few few left, and especially reproductive females and all that kind of stuff. She could bring diseases to them that would cause more issues than her dying. Yeah. And so we have to look at this as not only what's right for her, but what 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 is right for her family and her uh, you know, her 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 family, right? Her, the rest of the population. Is it worth the risk that she could possibly bring something to these animals and um and cause more more issues? Um it's not something we want to think about, but it's something that we need to, to really balance all the, the pros and cons of, of what we're talking about. So that's, that, I mean, those are the main things. For and that the, is one thing I was. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. I was just going to say that is one thing that on the counter side of that, that, that obviously she will be monitored by veterinarians. So if she does have any active infections, um, you know, she, she wouldn't, be, she would be treated for those. But again, this is where just it's just important to talk about all of the different eventualities that, yes, she'll be in an enclosed area even when she is released. But at the same time, water does transmit various different infections and various different viruses and things like that. So just, again, not saying that they would be, you know, they wouldn't actually release a sick whale to be with her family, yeah. you know, knowing that she's sick. So I just want to clarify that for people. They're not, we're not talking about that, but it's more just, even if she's still contained within the sea pen, things can transmit through the water. Um, so I just wanted to, to make that clear. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. And that's a good point too. Like when they say release, they're not just dumping her in the water and saying, find your family. It's, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not how it's going to go. They, it does have, they will have a closed off sea pen, which she'll have a much larger area than she's in now. Um, and, and may, may not have any direct contact with her family for, for quite a while. And so therefore if, if she brought anything with her, it, you know, would go through her system before meeting them. So there are all those, but there, we have to look at every single little potential that, that could happen to make sure that we're not overlooking mm -hmm. something that could be hugely detrimental. Yeah. Um, and the the um uh so the other part of that with the so how she will, will be released and, you know i think there's a lot of misinformation out there right now where a lot of media is going like they're going to release her and it's great and they're just gonna like it sounds like they're dumping her in the water <laughs> mm -hmm. which is not going to happen um it does have to be a very organized thing where uh they have to First of all, build the C-Pen, find a place, build the C-Pen, um, and then have a place where she can interact with, with trainers and whatnot. Um, and it's, and I, you know, I don't know what the full logistics would be after that, but um, you can look at and compare to some degree with uh, the release of Keiko from Free Willy. Uh, they did that over in Iceland, I think. Yeah, Iceland. Swam, yeah, he swam to Norway and came from it was Iceland. Um, but the the thing the, the the other part of that is is let's go back to the money part where again it's not just like okay it's the money to transfer her and then she goes. She has to relearn how to be a whale, right? She she is not fish for foods in 52 years. That's yeah a long time to you know and she's only four so it's like asking a toddler and when they're like four, four you know 50 to go remember what they did as a toddler and and be able to forage mm -hmm. um and so i will say that like there there may be a slight difference with that simply because we are talking about a wild animal so their instincts may sure. you know her instincts may kick in quicker than they they would for a human in the same position However, again, it just, you know, just to, just again, put both sides across here, but just it is, like you said, it is something that they will have to physically train her how to do. Like, even if she picks it up really quickly, even if she does remember, eventually it, it will still require active training for her to relearn how to do all of this. Right. And yeah, and similar with people too, like you may unconsciously remember something. And so then it, it does come back to you, but you still have to, to work on it you know, mm -hmm. um, but that is a good point too, of the perspective, right? So we perceive things differently than she does. And that's part of the whole problem with all this is we perceive, oh, that might be hard. Oh, that might be easy for her. 
or we think it's easy, well, it's gonna be really hard for her. And then we, we, we don't know how to deal with it because we don't see things the way that she does or the way that wild animals do. And so bridging that is, is, is very hard when you can't just ask the animal, hey, mm-hmm. what's up? Um, so the, on the foraging thing too, which was interesting to be the devil's advocate of, you know, again, we're, we're gonna try to going, kind of going back and forth between the, should she be related, should she not? Um, I actually had a discussion with my students uh, in my marine mammal class yesterday about this. And um, one of them brought up a very good point of, it, so say, and th- this would be mitigated a little bit because she's not gonna be released right away, right? So she would learn how to, to fish. But if she's still not that good at it and it's already really hard to find food for them right now, right? That's why they're endangered um, for, you know, one of a couple different reasons. But one of the biggest ones is literally they just don't have enough food, right? They mainly eat Chinook salmon uh, as opposed to other salmon species. And Chinook are also endangered in many populations and are smaller than they used to be. And they just don't have enough. And that's why they are not here in the Salish Sea as much, the, the southern residents, as they used to be. Uh, and because there's just not food, enough food for them here uh, for, in different parts of the year. Um, so it's already hard to find food. The residents are already having trouble finding food. Adding another mouth to the population that cannot or is not as good at foraging themselves, would that put undue pressure on the other calves in the population, for example? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And as I said, all the things we talked about yesterday, I was like, I kind of thought of all of the ones that we were talking about, but that one, I was like, I hadn't hadn't really thought about that one Um, because they do price share, right? And the mothers will preferentially um, feed, you know, males a little bit more than the other ones, but they all share food and it's matrilineal. So these, these are, you know, the, the, these guys are weird in the mammal world because the boys and the girls, males and females both stay with their mother their entire lives. And that's very unusual. Mm-hmm. So they are very close knit. And so would that be, would that be an issue? I don't know. And cause she's yeah. a big female too, right? So she's going to need to eat more than a younger one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that was a good point. Just, to, you know, again, trying to look at all the angles. Right. Yeah. I'd be curious if anyone's actually brought that up in the conversation so mm-hmm. far. Um, yeah. Very yeah. good point. Yeah. Um, and the other part of that go along with that, that you, that, that student brought up as well was, you know, she's post-reproductive at this point. Um, I don't think she would be able to have calves. I don't actually know the exact number of when they usually are, but I'm, I'm thinking over 50 is probably pretty old for a whale. For orca. It, it's very, it's very similar to, to human females in terms of when they, when they, reach senescence so Mm -hmm. i believe yeah it's it's typically anywhere from about 40 to 45 up to like 50 55 to 60 i think is when they typically stop giving birth yeah so um in terms of the conservation angle like you're not you're not you're not adding anything to the population for concert in the conservation terms by bringing her back because she's not going to create more babies basically um Mm -hmm. not saying that that shouldn't be done for her but I think his his point was people maybe some people are trying to show this as like this is a great conservation thing and like well it, it's it's not really conservation in the terms of the population it's right it's I think her. it's yeah it's yeah I was gonna say it's, it's conservation on the wider terms of what should or should not be happening to animals right. in general should we even be having any wild animals in captivity I think that's typically where yeah. people are coming from with the conservation angle it's more on the the overarching conversation around animals in general being held in captivity. Is that something that we should be continuing to do or not? Right. Versus the conservation of a wild population and make, helping them not die out. <laughs> Just two yeah. versions of that. Yeah, exactly. But that's important yeah. things to, to like the terminology we all are using needs to be clarified, right? We need to talk about, well, are you talking about this kind of conservation or that conservation? Because it's two very different things. And it's not saying that this shouldn't happen. It's just saying, you know, call a spade a spade, like say exactly what you're saying, you know, in the correct terms of what this is actually mm-hmm. doing. Yeah. Um, so the other, 
the other part of it, which I don't think people go into a lot, is the psychological aspect of what's happened to her. And this one's important because, I mean, there's still debate on whether animals are, um, any animal is, you know, self-conscious and self-aware and has emotions and blah, blah, blah. Uh, it is becoming much more accepted th throughout the science world that there are many species, if not more species than we think, that do. And dolphins and orcas being one of them, right? They are, we know they are highly intelligent. We know they have, uh, they have emotions, right? Um, one of the orcas here carried her dead calf for 19 days. Like if that's not mm -hmm. an emotional grieving process, I don't know what is. Yeah. So um, that is being becoming more accepted, but it still is not talked about when it should be, especially for this type of animal um, and the lives that they lead. So the first thing that, that, did to her was traumatizing we took her away from her family and i think that's where this all stems we're trying to make a we're trying to right a wrong right and we mm -hmm. so should right we should do whatever we can to make the whatever the rest of life her life is the best it can possibly be that's we, that's the, the least we can do for this animal but we removed her from family from her family once um and my, you know, the point I raised to my students to discuss was what, who is her family now? Mm -hmm. her, her family is people. That's all she knows. She's been in captivity with another orca for like, oh, uh, let me look it up. She, they put it on there. Uh, she was in their 70s and then her tank mate died in uh, 1980. So for maybe about 10 years, she um had an orca tank mate but since then she's had uh other dolphins um like one or two uh, dolphins in her tank uh, as playmates basically so she hasn't been around orcas in 40 some you know 40 years over 40 years um so we have removed her from her family and now all she's really known is been people and an occasional dolphin. Um, so the psychological aspects of that are huge, right? And she's the only surviving animal left from the um, from the takes for the aquaria um, back in the back in the seventies when they did that. Um, mm -hmm. I think uh, all all uh, from one of my. Uh, friend and colleague's blogs that she wrote about this, um, all but Toki died within five years. So yeah. um, she is by far the longest survivor. I mean, And she's also, she's also the oldest whale in captivity as well, which I think is really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, from that perspective, she's a, she's a survivor. So you know what, maybe she can, yeah. she can survive a lot, but what, what mental toll has that taken on her? Right. What is her, her 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 take now of what she wants and again we can't ask her but is removing her from what family she knows now which would be the trainers and and again to try to step back away from the um uh the the emotions of captivity or not whatever i think in general the people who work with these animals every day truly care about them, right? The trainers do, the vets do. They want what's best for that animal. So they are family to them as well, I'm sure. But um, is it right for us to then also remove her from the family she knows now? Mm. Is the question, at least the, the question that I yeah. think about. Um, would that do more psychological damage? I don't know. Right. And I guess this is this is where, you know, I, I feel like this this podcast is basically just we're just raising a bunch of questions for for you all to be considering and thinking about on your own. Right. But the other thing I will say is that we know that these animals are, like you said, they're highly intelligent. They are extremely close knit within their family units. And so, again, like the, I feel that this is one that could again, it like could very much go either way where either it's 
you know, it's, it's very traumatizing and she really struggles to, to adapt to being around whales again, because she hasn't been around them in over 50 years or it's like it could go the other way. And she's like, Oh my gosh, finally, yep. finally, I have someone else that looks like me. And I'm so tired of being around these people who are very nice and all, but they're not my people, you right. know? <laughs> so that's the thing. So again, like, I just want to, I just want to really, because I'm aware that this is a sensitive topic. I just yep. really want to make it clear that we are not passing judgment either way here we're just posing questions and and ways to look at this and questions to ask to really try to see all the angles and i think also really highlight maybe why it's taken so long for us to reach this point because there are so many different areas and different things to consider when it's not as simple as raise enough money find somewhere to plop her down and you know there she goes she's off in the wild again and i think it's we oversimplify it Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I think it's so important to consider some of these questions that we're posing because this is everything that people have to determine and then have the responsibility of trying to make a decision on behalf of an animal that you can't ask if, if, if that's what they want. Mm-hmm. And yet you're aware that they are a highly, highly aware being. So again, that was a bit of a rant, but I just, I no, just want to make it very yeah. clear that like, this is this is why it's so important to ask some of these questions because it could go either way or it could be some mixture of both, right? It could be right. that she, you know, maybe she she will crave human contact even when she is released back to her family, and it might be so you know a fantastic mixture of both. Who right. knows? But these are the types of questions that we have to consider when we're we're talking about something of this magnitude. Mm-hmm. No, exactly, and it's and you know it goes the other way around too. Like what what is the what have you? What is Ocean Sun, if that is her mother, what is Ocean Sun going to do when she shows up and is like, you've been gone for 50 years. Like, what is that going to do psychologically to them? Or are they going to accept her? Will they? Maybe they, maybe it will. Again, maybe it's, oh my God, you've been gone for so long. Welcome home. This is wonderful. Or, or not. And if she got rejected, would, what psychological damage would that do? You know? Um, And again, talking about the other whales. So it's it's so hard to know and you know to some degree it won't we won't know until we do it and yeah and and that's that and that that is kind of that's why there is no right answer but we should be thinking about these things and the possible outcomes to be able to help her through it whichever way it goes right Mm -hmm. um and i think if you if you look back with keiko's release too and there's debate on whether people thought that was successful or not and we're not going to get into that but like the trainers moved there they moved to iceland like and stayed at that in the bay that she did that he was in and he kept having human contact and they went on like walkabouts with the trainers and they went out and then came back to the pen and he kept coming back to the pen once it was open for a very long time i think um and then he finally you know he swam off mm-hmm. and he found some other workers he went to norway and he came back and so he it was i think the really important point is if we if this happens and they really and they are you know or, or when this happens uh, as as long as she survives to the point where we can get her out here it needs to she has to have choice and i think that's one of the biggest things that we can give her that we have not in 52 years give her a choice of mm-hmm. who she wants to be with whether it is people or her own her own kin um and she can do so in the waters that she you know, was born in. But because we can't ask her, that's a way that we can give her a choice. And, and she, mm-hmm. we should be okay with either one. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be looked on as a failure if she decides that she wants to hang out by the people for the rest of her life. I think that's important. Yeah, I think, right. And I think, I think that's really important to say too, like a lot of this, a lot of the push to get her out of the conditions that she's been living in is, you know, part of that is that she was, she was living in the smallest orca enclosure in North America. It's, like it's, she was it's, in a tiny, tiny pen. I mean, it's, it's heartrending. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, it, and it's the against, images like, of her in these. there. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. So again, I just like, it's not just about, as you said, it, it is mostly about righting the wrong, but it's not just about that. This is also about, removing her from really gnarly conditions that any captive animal, regardless of whether they're captive or not, should not be subjected to. Um, And I think that's really important to remember, like you said, to your point around what is considered a successful sort of um, conclusion to this story or next, next chapter to this story, right. Is exactly like you said, even if it's not a full transition back into the wild quote unquote, 
even just moving her to a larger sea enclosure to a larger sea pen like that you know that is huge just to give her space Mm -hmm. yeah and and to that point that like someone else brought up that i was talking to you know maybe an an answer is moving her to a larger tank like somewhere that is bigger and and still it's still not a sea pen but even that is a win at this point for what Mm -hmm. she's been through right so giving her something and hopefully yes it can be out in the wild and i mean i i think hopefully for her as well the ideal would be to be able to be in in the open ocean and um have those choices that um she deserves to have um but whatever it is is that we're making these choices or we're giving her some kind of choice or and at least getting her out of those conditions that she's been in for for too long um it's i don't know i don't understand how she's been how she survived first of all honestly being in those conditions for so long um and yeah. how 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 we have let it happen um mm-hmm. even even like no they everybody knows that that, that is like not it for the it's not aza it's not the smyme so cream isn't part of the um zoological association for that they try to you know make sure that the zoos are all doing the right thing um i believe but um that so the you know the the, the guidelines that they have the tank completely violates all of those um so it is very important that we get her out of that where that goes and how that happens is the thing that we need to talk about and and you know and understand that getting her out of that is the success beyond that what that looks like may look different than what we would hope but it's still a success i think is an important thing to remember in this heated discussion that we're all having and because we all care about her and and the and her family um but it is something we need to we need to talk about all these things and eventualities um and know what to do mm-hmm. like if she doesn't want to go with the whales then what do you do like so then it goes back to the money this is not just again put her in the sea pen it's going to be a year or two and that it could be five it could be 10 it could be 20 years that there still needs to be people there for her, um, at least to be able to have some kind of interaction. Uh, maintaining the, the sea pen, maintaining that sanctuary that they have could be years and years, depending on how long she lives. So who funds it, right? You have to have a long-term thing. You can't be like, well, we're gonna do this for two years and then, well, we have no money. So whatever, you're on your own. <laughs> that's, not, that's not okay either, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's, it's, it, we, we have to think about the, the economics of it along with, you know, uh, the, the, the ethics of it. <laughs> like they're, they're both things that are important mm-hmm. to understand. Yeah. And I think, I mean, to that point around the, the sustainability of, especially if she, if, if it does take either take longer to reintroduce her, or if, again, if, if it has to be in that intermediary stage and that's kind of just where, where things have to stay. Um, that is one thing that I will say with having garnered so much support for her, there is a huge network of people who are behind this, this movement of just getting her out of that that current situation in this aquarium. Yeah. So, I mean, that is that is one really positive aspect to this is there is already so much awareness about this specific will. There are so many people who are, are and have been giving their time and money and attention to this cause for years. So that's one thing that I actually, I feel very positive about that there is, mm-hmm. and there are some very, very prominent people who have already contributed to this um, this process mm-hmm. significantly um so i do think that 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 is something that i i think that we can we would be able to figure out more easily than we would if it was another animal another whale i think because she's so famous at this point that actually really works in her favor yeah she's um, so many people are if, the, if that is necessary yeah yes yeah absolutely yep yeah, and it's so. I and I think you're right. I think there. I mean, there's plenty of people here that would give up their time and and energy to to help volunteer or whatever to do what is needed to get her, um, 
and let her have these choices. Um, and then the other really important thing to bring up is the um, is the, the you know indigenous and, and native tribes. Um, to them, even more so than other people, this she is family. Like they are uh, the tribes here. She's the Lummi Nation are very um, you know the orcas are integral to their culture and uh, they see them as as their family and. So they have, they should ha and do are, you know, they, they are working with the Friends of Lolita and, and these other groups to get her released as well, to get her back home. Um, and so they do have a, a strong connection and, and should have a strong voice in what happens to her as well. And I think that's a very important thing to remember um, that it's not just a animal thing. It's not just a human thing. It's a like, it's a cultural, there's cultural differences between the different people that are working together to free her. Um, and we have to take those, that culture into consideration and understand where they come, where they're coming from with that and, and how that um, interacts with what's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's a great point. No. So it's, there are a lot of people and, and it's a great uh, indication of, you know, lots of different people from very different backgrounds working together to do what's right for this whale um and i think we just need to make sure that we don't jump too quickly um and just make sure that the way we're going forward is is the best for her um and and the other thing is too is for people to understand that this is not happening now like they haven't even built the sea pen mm -hmm. they they have an area staked out but that took years to find and do and find a place that would be suitable. Um, Cause you know, you're talking about public land, private land, you know, money, politics, all that stuff goes into, you know, who's gonna close off a pen and keep a whale there? <laughs> you know, uh, you have to build some structures for the humans that are there. You, there's a, a, a whole process that's involved. So um, I think they're, they, I think the process can go quicker because they've had so much time to, um, trying to figure this out in the past you know 10 years in preparation for this but mm -hmm. it they, it's still going to take some time so even though this was announced right now will she be back in these waters if they go that if they you know it works out that way will she be back with within the year uh, i don't know you know i think so. yeah it's one indication that it would would happen but you know there's a lot of logistics involved <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, obviously some of the logistics we've touched on today, but as, as you said, I think from what I understand, there are certain pieces of, of um, like basically like federal signing off on things that couldn't even happen until she was given permission to be released from the aquarium. So there are right. now several other hoops that have to be jumped through in order to move to the next phase of the process. So again, it just highlights how much red tape Right. is involved in something like this and again i mean in that sense it really does i mean huge huge com you know commendation to the people who have you know tirelessly campaigned for this because it is a lot it's a lot there's a lot of planning and mm -hmm. a lot of preparation and a lot of different steps that have to be taken over and above her own health condition right so i mean all of this is is entirely contingent also on like like we said at the top you know how she's actually physically doing Right. Um, but yeah, it'll definitely be one to watch over the next couple of years. And, um, I think, I think another, just, just kind of, as we sort of start to wrap this up, I think another really, I think one of the most groundbreaking things about this is that she has become such an icon Yeah. for the, you know, basically what was, what was kind of a generational movement, right. And this is, we were talking about this earlier today where, there was this movement in kind of the 60s and 70s that that having animals in captivity, that this was the best thing we could do for them, you know, that right. this was a way to conserve their populations, to protect them. And that may very well have been true at that point. But I just think this is such a such a tangible demonstration of how our minds are shifting, how our mm -hmm. realities are shifting. You know, is that actually the best way to educate or to encourage people to get involved in um, supporting conservation, supporting protecting these animals, or can we do it a different way that doesn't require the animals to be in these in these cages and containers if it's not necessary? And so I think just it's a 
it's an indication that the wider narrative around captivity in general is starting to shift. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I think that in itself is, is very interesting and, um, in, in a lot of ways, encouraging, regardless of what your stance is around captivity, because we all know that there are certain certain places that just the conditions are not acceptable for these animals that are living there. So regardless of how you feel about captivity in general, you know, there are absolutely unequivocally areas that and, and locations that should not be allowed to operate. Yeah. You know, absolutely. so I think in general, this is a very, very positive step forward in terms of people acknowledging that these conditions are not acceptable. Mm-hmm. let's do what we can to, you know, we now we, we release her, we understand this and, and have gotten to a point where we're, we're starting to actually consider the welfare of the animal, which is incredibly important. Yeah. And actually uh, one, another point that was brought up by uh, my, one of my students yesterday too, when we were talking about this is the fact that again, back in the day, the, it's the whole idea that ambassador animals are important. And I think yes. in, in many ways they are right. You cannot, really truly want to conserve or love something if you haven't you usually usually have some kind of interaction with that animal go oh my god this is you know we need to help this one or whatever and i think a lot of people who got into the marine mammal world maybe had some of those experiences at sea world or or other aquariums for better or for worse you know Mm -hmm. and so and, and again not advocating for orcas to be in captivity or anything like that but it's the idea of of these ambassador animals do help in some ways of that connects people to these animals that they would no longer no i no not get to see otherwise but that shift of now we don't need that as much now with the technology that we have mm-hmm. so you know mm-hmm. we can get out and go with these i mean look at blue planet you have these underwater um videos you the drone work sometimes the drone stuff is more amazing to watch than being on the water with the animals <laughs> I mean, it's just I mean, to be honest, right? right. To be I mean, honest, like, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, we work and we work with marine mammals, you know, out in the wild. So like, it's, it's amazing that those are so powerful that you, we're again, shifting that idea that this is a way we can love these animals and connect to these animals without them being in these conditions that are obviously not good for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, it, it, you can always go back and forth of whether people were right or wrong when they did the things, but it was different in 50 years ago than it was now. And yeah, um, it's important to remember that, that, it's, you know, it's hard to compare across time zones or time, not time zones, time, <laughs> time eras. Um, but that it's so it, we can't just paint everybody with a broad brush and say like, oh, all those people are terrible and we're better now. You know, we've also made we we're still making mistakes as humans, but um, we are, we can make better decisions now and we can see that there are, again, other ways to connect with these animals and not have those um, ones that, that particularly shouldn't be in captivity, be in captivity. Um, mm-hmm. So that technology is really helping us with that. And, you know, whale watching and, and other like excursions where you get to go see animals in the wild. Those are also big, but we do have to be careful of loving the animals to death. You know, you, there are, are, impacts that those have as well. And um, it's about having these discussions like we're having right now and raising all the questions and talking about it across lines, right? And not getting angry, but just discussing what are the, the impacts that these things have on these animals, whether biologically, psychologically, you know, whatever, uh, ethically, um, and go the best path, path forward, right? There are ways that we can interact with these animals that are um, that give them choice that don't impact them as much as other, other ways. Uh, and so, but we can't get to those decisions and regulations and and how to protect them without having those tough conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I think that's really what we wanted to do with this podcast today was again, not to, to, to have judgment or say this was right or wrong beyond, you know, certain obvious rights or wrongs, <laughs> um, of, uh, that, and, and not so obvious ones, um, but not again, not to, not to do judgment, not to do this, but just to raise these concerns of that we need to discuss and think about for this animal and other animals and future, right? If there are still animals that are being taken for captivity in uh, other species, uh, or things like that, or around the world, 
Um, these are all the discussions that we have to have. And as much as we can learn about from this experience too, what we learn from doing this with Toki will inform us for the other whales that are still in captivity. Um, mm -hmm. And that's really important. So I, with from that perspective too, whatever happens here is a learning experience. And and we hope that it will be good for her. As as we said from the beginning, that's what the least we can do for her is, is have some kind of positive experience come out of this. But regardless, whatever happens, we will learn from this experience, hopefully, and use that information to help other whales that are still in captivity or being released. And there are other places that are doing uh, seaside sanctuaries. Uh, I was just noticing it was one, I think over in the Atlantic that they have one that's starting to be set up. Like they, you know, they have elephant sanctuaries and cheetah sanctuaries and moose sanctuaries, you know, they have all the different terrestrial animal sanctuaries, but sea sanctuaries are a bit more difficult logistically to create. <laughs> So 3D space is tough, guys. Right. So it's uh so it, it that's why it's taken so long, I think, also to get to that point as well. Yeah. Um but it's just the idea of of you know talking about all these things and um so that we can come to the decisions that we need to to do the best thing for her. And that's what we really wanted to emphasize today is we all want, and everybody, again, I'll end, end with this too. Everybody on, on both sides wants what's best for her. You may not have the same ideas of what that is, but I think that's what guides us and puts us together. And we have to remember that. Mm -hmm. Those that want to keep her in captivity, those that want her in the free and in, in the wild, all care about her and want her to thrive and to, and to be as happy as she can for, for the rest of her life. Um, so if we can all go with that and have these discussions without getting too heated or emotional, even though it is emotional, um, that's the best path forward to finding the best, the best way for this to happen and have the best outcome for her. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a perfect way to wrap up. So with that, um, again, if you have any, any questions or comments or things uh, about this or, or other things, um, please always email us uh, or find us on Instagram and Facebook. Um, this was obviously a, a bit more emotional one than um, than our other general reviews, <laughs> um, but we hope that it was helpful in in, in raising those questions and having um, having you guys think about all those different things that that we're having to think about. Um, and we, as the collective we of returning her to the wild, um, what goes into that and what we have to do to make it to make it right. So um, keep following us on Facebook and Instagram and share this podcast with your friends and family. And, um, with that, I think next time we'll have a marine mammal highlight. So we'll keep your eye out on the Instagram for that to see which we're going, which one you guys can choose between the two that we're going to pick. I have no idea who it's going to be. <laughs> it's a mystery. That. Yeah. It's a mystery right now. Uh, but it won't be as mysterious as the last one we did with that pygmy right whale, which was just psych. So crazy. <laughs> So with that, um, we hope you enjoyed it and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. This was brought to you by Pacific Mammal Research, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Check out our website, www.pacmam.org, that's P-A-C-M-A-M, to learn more about us, our research, and the educational opportunities that we provide. Also, help us continue providing fun and educational content like this by donating today. Your help is how we can continue to do our work and share it with you. Thanks.